bulging statistics. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, it's as if we never left, although it really has been quite a while. We're going on, what is it, three weeks, four weeks? Jesus Christ almighty. We promised you that we would get you consistent episodes every two weeks. Unfortunately, I got a little sick coming back from Europe. I was in Dublin, Edinburgh, and Amsterdam, and I got back and I was sick as a dog. My vision was all fucked up. I had some sunspots or floaters, whatever you want to call it. I couldn't really see. I was like, Michael, big dog. I don't know what the fuck's going on, but my vision's all fucked. I had a cough. I was like, maybe I got dengue fever, hepatitis, tuberculosis. You really hate to see it. Went to urgent care, paid a nice hefty $50 copay. Really hate to see that. And they were like, okay, well, I think you are uh, got some virus. And then the vision, I don't know what the fuck's going on. So they sent me to a retinal specialist. Went to a retinal specialist. He took some crazy photos of my eyeballs where he put this camera thing and started blinking this flashing light right in front of my eye and then while I'm doing it I turned to him I'm like dude this is fucking crazy he's like I know it's pretty cool so I had a nice little conversation with the retinal specialist needless to say he said this is normal for guys in their late 20s and late 30s happens should go away on its own got a follow-up appointment in a couple weeks um, but my vision is almost fully restored I just had a virus so the cough is now on its way out migrating to the congestion in the nasal cavities Blowing some boogies left and right, but folks, we don't need to go into too much detail there, now do we? We got a great episode for you tonight. We're doing a low Mets-Yanks banter, or Yanks-Mets banter in that order, as of course is tradition, and we will follow that up with a new segment that we call Buyers, Sellers, or Big Duty Smellers. And that is, who at the trade deadline do we think are going to be big-time buyers, Rolling those dice, hoping for no sevens. Who's going to be sellers? Cleaning shop, trying to start building new from the ground up. And who is going to be sitting like a dead duck as a big old-fashioned duty smeller? Smelling dookies left and right. Can't even decide whether they want to buy or sell. What's going on? You're sniffing a little bit of methane gas, and you're like, wait, that's not just a fart. That's a big old-fashioned dookie. Folks, you really hate to see it, but... Great to be back. Michael, any other words before we go into our next episode? No, I'm riding a little bit of a high right now. The boys Yankees. Are... Yankees with a huge win last night. We'll boys... get into that. Boys are doing great. We will get into it. Boy, will we. Ladies and gentlemen, I believe it is time to hit you with a little bit of Tommy Rowe. Sweet Pea, how we doing, baby? Come on, boy. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for a little bit of Yankees discussion. Now, I just got to say before Michael goes on the inevitable tirade of how well the Yankees are doing, the Yankees are unbelievable. They have, I think, far and away the best offense in the majors. No other team has a lineup quite like this. We've seen the Astros do it in previous years, where you have every single person in the lineup is dangerous and could was a huge stir. The Yankees are absolutely dropping dukes on all of their opponents. Offensively, their pitching has been holding it down, but 
More importantly, the offense has been just been outscoring other teams, plain and simple, winning very high-scoring games. Pitching, I think they need to make a little uh, splash at the deadline. Again, we'll get into that later. But, Michael, I'm sure you got quite a good amount to say about the Yanks right now. I'll let you take the floor. Oh, you know I do. You know I do. I, I just fucking love this team. I really do. It's unreal. I got a lot to say about them. This team is just un-fucking-believable. It starts at the top, Brian Cashman, Mr. Hal Steinbrenner, doing a great job as an owner. What do you say, Hal? Just figuring out a way to build this team every single year, and they just keep getting better. Now, I don't need to sit here and tell you about how great they are. I don't need to sit here and tell you that they're 65-35 and 35 right now, leading the Twins 9-3 uh, in a big series. I don't need to tell you that they are currently nine and a half games up on Tampa Bay, ten and a half up on Boston, and twelve up in the loss column on both of those Dookie Cake teams. I don't need to tell you that. Well, what do I need to tell you? How about the last seven days for the New York Yankees? Forget the record. How about when when you're this good? You need a few things to to go besides the fact that you have a great record. Mm -hmm. You need those little almost like intangible things to happen so that when hopefully that world series dvd drops you have those storylines that you could remember that make the season just unforgettable yeah and in the last seven days the yankees have had two of those what were they well how about an all-time tirade by aaron fucking boone now aaron boone known in his playing days for the guy who sent the Yankees to the World Series in Game 7 against Wakefield and uh, sent them right to the World Series with an unbelievable swing. Love to see that. But now, as the manager, puts on an all-time show, gives the team a rallying cry by calling them fucking savages in the box, and that is what they are. This team bludgeons people. I mean, you think that you have a lead... You don't have it against them. Up and down the lineup, everyone's going to terrorize you. Yeah. And what have the Savages done since? Well, how about last night? They play the game of the year. Let's recap it real quick. Yankees fall down 8-2. A lot of fans. 8-2, it's getting late. You hate to see it. Maybe I'll go to bed. Take an early train home. I don't know. The real fans were up, ladies and gentlemen, like yours truly. And what happened? Yankees muscled their way back. A lot of big hits. D.D. Gregorius. D.D. Gregorius. Seven RBI last night. I'm going to give you a list of American League shortstops with five hits and seven RBI in a game. Enlighten me, Michael. D.D. Gregorius. That's all I got for you. Wow. D.D. Gregorius. Folks. Unbelievable, folks. Love to see that from D.D. But uh, the star of the show... Well, I'll get to a few stars, because yeah, a few guys deserve credit. Glaber Torres, in the top of the 10th, hits a base hit to give the Yankees the lead again in a back-and-forth game. And the hit reminded me of another Yankee legend. Old guy is going to be heading to Cooperstown next year. Used to crush the inside-out swing, and that is just what Glaber did. Very vegetarian swing by Glaber. Nobody's talking about that. Guy deserves a lot of credit. But the star of the show last night, Aaron Hicks. 
this guy hits in the ninth inning a two-run home run that gives the Yankees the lead. And then when they blow it, because Chapman had absolutely nothing yesterday, he looked inept, which sucked. Um, he made, with the bases loaded, in the bottom of the tent, one of the greatest catches you will ever see in your entire life. To, to end the game. I not, think not, not one of the greatest catches you will ever see in your entire life. I, so I do think it is. So yes, I would it has put, to do with circumstance. I would put most of Kevin Pillar's catches above that. It has to do with circumstance, but, right? It has to do with circumstance. Of one of the best catch, catches you'll ever see in the regular season, given all uh, the factors. Yes, given all the factors of the game, definitely the catch of the year. I don't think anything's topping that at this point for the regular season, at least. And it was just an unbelievable job by Hicks. I want to give one other guy a shout out from this game because. The way that the game broke down, his at-bat was crucial. It gets lost in every exciting moment that happened in the game. But in the top of the ninth, with two outs, before Hicks could hit that two-run home run, Mike Talkman, a.k.a. the Sockman. The Sockman. He worked a great walk. It was a big time at-bat, and it allowed the Yankees to have that chance. Mike Talkman, ladies and gentlemen. He's working it. Mike Talkman. He has been unbelievable. How about, as of right now, since May 5th, the guy is hitting 397 with a 472 OBP. Those are both the highest in the MLB in that span, minimum of 70 plate appearances. Wow. The Sockman has delivered for the Yankees. So as I was saying, these are the types of intangible things that you need. You need a game like that. It's a signature win against another playoff team, another first place team. You have the rallying cry coming from Boone that he's apparently been telling the players all season. You absolutely love to see it. This team is here to stay, and I cannot wait to watch the rest of the season unfold. Now, let's talk about some other things with them. Let's talk. Let's talk, man. Yankees really need to secure one if not two starters i think the other route they could go is to get one starter and then a, a bullpen, bullpen arm yeah. or two based on the fact that this market is starving for some starting pitching oh yeah yankees are gonna have to potentially get creative with what they're gonna do right now it looks like the only guy who seems to be a lock to get traded as a starter is marcus stroman Maybe Zach Wheeler is up there around that lock territory, but if you think the Mets are making a deal with the Yankees, you are sorely mistaken. Mm. I don't care what the reporters say. You know they won't do it. So I think it's going to be interesting. Next seven days, we have a lot to talk about with the deadline, but next seven days for the Yankees are going to be very interesting because they're going to be making moves. The Astros are going to be making moves. The Red Sox going to be interesting. They might sell, apparently, if the Yankees knock the shit out of them in, uh, in Fenway this weekend. going to happen. The Rays are going to be buying, so it's going to be very interesting to see how it unfolds. But yes, 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 I am very happy with the New York Yankees right now. Yeah, and I mean, you got to be thinking that maybe they would get a guy, you know, like Trevor Bauer, who was, you know, hot on the market, but Indians have had a recent surge. Nice little second coming. So, you know, guys like that, they're starting to fall off. Mad bum. Not a guarantee to get traded anymore with the Giants, although they should, but again, we'll get to that later. It's, it's, uh, it's, we're cooking up something, uh, something nice yeah. in the majors in terms of trade deadline. 
It's, I'm interested to see what happens and especially what doesn't happen. Right. I'm almost more particular. Yeah. It's it's shaping up to be a very interesting deadline. Yeah. Reason being, a lot of these NL teams really think that they're still in it. Why? Because there are six of them within two and a half games of each other. And then, even after that, you have teams on the periphery who are six, seven games back. I think at a certain point, and we'll talk about this a little bit more in just a little bit, but I think at a certain point, these teams need to take a step back and say, is it really worth fighting for a one-game playoff when our roster is really not that good? And you have to wonder... you got to wonder. How many of these GMs are going to make that evaluation? How many of them are going to sell? And how is it going to affect the prices on guys like Marcus Stroman? On guys like Zach Wheeler? Because if those are the only guys available, a lot of leverage for those teams. But in the case of Wheeler, you know the Mets are not going to do a good job. Because they suck. So, with that... Stick out! Stick out! You gotta love the Yankees, folks. You're gonna make some moves. You'll love to see it. And now a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get a little word from our sponsors. Oh, I wonder, wonder who I do, I do. What's in a wonder ball? Yummy Hershey's chocolate with candy shapes inside. Oh, I wonder, wonder who I do, I do. What's in a wonder ball? Ladies and gentlemen, it's the wonder ball. It is yummy Hershey's chocolate, candy shapes inside. What are you gonna get? I don't know. I think it's a couple candy shapes, like uh, candy shaped like Nickelodeon characters, maybe something neat like that. You could show off to all your, all your friends. You bite into this chocolate ball. It's all hollowed out. You got a ton of shit inside. It's a mystery. That's the beautiful thing about it. You don't really know exactly what you're gonna get. You could get little candy shapes, little shaped like Nickelodeon characters. You might get. Candy shaped like uh, I don't know, little Tonka trucks. The world is your oyster when you get the Wonder Ball. What you're gonna bite into is a mystery. Could it be a little bit of Duke? I don't know. I don't see why not. Maybe there was a disgruntled factory worker who was like, you know what? I'm tired. I'm tired of stuffing these chocolate balls with little candy shapes inside. I'm gonna stuff them with a big old fashioned Duke and stick it to the man. I don't know, maybe that's happening, Michael. <coughs> I mean, if you see a big old duke in that Wonder Ball, you have to wonder. What's in the Wonder What's Ball? What's in the Wonder Ball? And folks, it just so happens to be a big old steaming pile of duke. Love to see it, folks. Love to see it. Hate to see it. Gotta love it. Absolutely. Have to suck it. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it is with great displeasure and sorrow that we bring you the Mets portion of this Subway Series podcast. What is there to say? Well, really not much to be said. This team, from the top down, absolutely stinks dookie cakes. Yes, they do, baby. Come on. The worst ownership in the majors. By far. Who make poor hiring decisions, which we now see, granted, hindsight 2020, but... I'm saying I got 2020 vision right now, and I can see a big old-fashioned steaming pile of Duke in front of me, and it happens to be in the likes of Brody Van Wagenen and Mickey Calloway, two very inexperienced human beings who should not be running a baseball organization. Now, 
we do have a couple silver linings, which I feel like we give them shout-outs almost every episode. But how can you not when you see the continued production day after day? Pete Alonzo, Jeff McNeil. The two golden boys of the New York Metropolitans. Pete Alonzo, some may say he's coming into a little bit of a post-home run derby slump. I tell you to go frick yourself, because the young man is only trailing Bellinger and Yelich by one and two homers respectively, with 33 ding-dongs on the year. Granted, we are we haven't even hit 100 games yet, have we, Michael? Uh, uh, we have, I think we have, actually. Yeah, we have, we have. Okay, so we're a little bit over 100 games. I take it back. But you're looking at a guy who's on pace to hit 50 homers in his rookie season as a Met. And that you absolutely have to love. That is things come very far and few in between. So with Mr. Judge, but hate to see it. Ladies and gents, you got Jeffy Mack. When are you coming back? Well, the joke's on you because he's here, he's been here, and he is here to stay. Likely here to stay in the outfield. Unless we make an interesting move that's being talked about, which is moving Ahmed Rosario from shortstop to center field. <laughs> Folks, it is a legitimate consideration, but before you start laughing, Michael, let me just tell you. <laughs> Come on. When Juan Lagares was 23 years old, the same age as Ahmed Rosario, he made the switch from shortstop to center field. What did he do the following year? Well, the man followed up that switch with a Gold Glove Award. So, honestly, folks, it's not too outlandish to think that a shortstop can be moved to center field and be a stud. We saw Jeffy Mack move from the infield to the outfield, and what is he doing? He's making diving catches on a weekly basis. He's a quality ball player. And what we have in Ahmed Rosario, the guy is young, he has not hit his true, I think, potential. He stinks. He doesn't stink. He stinks. He doesn't stink. He stinks. Stick out. You take it easy. He stinks. I, I take it easy. I take it easy. You know something, folks? It's very important we let you know something. Uncle Tran has lost it a little bit. He's a little bit delusional these days. Yeah. You might be saying to yourself, Mikey, how delusional is he? Well, he's so delusional that a little over a week ago, actually, no, yeah, a week ago to the day, Mets were about 10 games under 500. You hate to see it, just kidding, you gotta love it. Not really completely out of wild card ten- contention, maybe five games out, but second they worst were record. Five games out of the second, wild card. Hold on, card. I'm not done, I'm not done. Second worst team in the National League at the time, love to see that, they stink. And he decides, you know what, I'm gonna make a little, make a little wager. Big dog array. Well, what's the wager? Well, folks, if the Mets make the playoffs, I will be buying J-Bar a steakhouse dinner included with an appetizer, an appetizer, and two drinks of the train man's choosing. Now, you might be saying, oh, well, considering that's never going to happen, <laughs> what does he have to give you if you win? Well, folks, I will be getting... An appetizer and a steak dinner. I will not be getting the two drinks. That is the only difference, folks. Now, 
how did he decide to make this bet? Well, I'm going to let the train man uh, answer that one for, for you guys, but unbelievable stuff. So, my Any steakhouse of my choosing, by the way. So, my rationale was, okay, <laughs> we've seen second half surges from the Metropolitans before. <laughs> when we made this bet, they were five games out of the second wildcard spot. Now, when it is mid-July and you're only five games out of a wild card and you play your next 25 games against teams almost every game against teams that are under 500 you have to be thinking okay we got a solid shot to make a decent you know, maybe 10 game win streak would be nice of course that completely changes the outcome and we've seen things like that happen before you look at the Giants they've won what is it 16 of their last 19 they are on an absolute tear. They have now gone from being complete sellers to potential contenders, which I, I think is absolute bullshit. They're definitely not going to contend. They're not going to keep from this up. Gone from being sellers to idiots in they're, a matter of two weeks. You hate to see it, folks. They're, they're, they're team stinks. But, granted, once you can make a surge, if you can squeak your way into the wild card, you are now in October baseball, and I think it is anything is fair game at that point. Granted, this bet was just about the Mets making the postseason. Can they get that second wild card spot, I was thinking? Sure. Five games out, you're about to play a dookie cake of a Giants team. Four-game series. What happens? Naturally, in the most Mets fashion, they drop three of four of those games, all three games having been lost on walk-off hits or home runs by the Giants. Absolutely crushing losses. First game of the series goes into 16 innings. Pete Alonso, the stud, golden boy, hits a go-ahead ding-dong, top of the 16. We are now up. Naturally, what happens? We give up two runs in the bottom of the 16th, go on to lose the game. Now, the following game, 10 innings. Routine pop-up at the Dom Smith. What does he do? He hears the footsteps of Ahmed Rosario, who should now be playing center field. If he hears the footsteps coming in, Dom Smith drops the pop-up. Giants go on to win the game. That's wild. That is <laughs> Man, first comes all the way home and scores to win the game. Following game, the Mets win. And the following game, we lose on yet another walk-off. So, whether it's, you know, a little strike of bad luck... Whether it's the team stinking absolute dookie cakes, regardless of what the reasoning it's is, wild. you hate to see. <laughs> if we had won those games, which were all winnable, given that we lost them all in walk-off fashion, you are now sitting maybe two games out of the second wild card spot. You're also riding a seven-game win streak. When you go on a streak like that, it completely turns around the season. Again, we saw it with the Giants. Look at them. Pre-All-Star break, post-All-Star break. Bing, bang, boom. You look at the Mets' numbers since the All-Star break has happened. They have the lowest team ERA and the lowest bullpen ERA. Surprising. you got to be thinking, oh, there's no way that that's possible because the Mets stink. Absolute dukes. Well, folks... I come to tell you that it's a load of bull. 
because the Mets are just getting absolutely pushed around. You hate to see it. You guys, you got guys like Robbie Cano, who we thought was a full-on bust. Well, he hit three home runs last night, so that's good. Since the All-Star break, he's got five ding-dongs. He's batting three forty-two. Wow, folks! And meaningless baseball. Things games are happening. Starting to play great. You got since that, the folks. second half began, the Mets have the lowest ERA in baseball with a two-seven-six, and the lowest bullpen ERA in baseball with a two-seven. We are losing these games by one run. These are games that we just do not have that clutch gene and the composure to pull through. Like the New York Yankees. Unlike the New York Yankees, who when they even when they are down by six runs, you know that they can still easily make a comeback. If the Mets are down six runs, I'm shutting off the game and I'm putting five thousand dollars down saying that they will lose the game. And I will be right every single time. It is a very different way. Of thinking, it's a different outlook on the game. It absolutely sucks being a Mets fan. I was born into it. It's a shame, but you know we got to look towards the future. What do we do? We're gonna have to start rebuilding and getting some big prospects. Do we have to deal Thor? I think that might have to happen. I think Wheeler is gonna get dealt. We got guys like Diaz who are willing to put out on the market. Todd Frazier. What the fuck's going on with Jed Lowry? I don't even know. It's so fucked. It's unbelievable. We get a guy like that, and we have we, he, he didn't even play a single game in spring training. He's never playing for you guys. He arrived in Port St. Lucie, and then went and basically went on a deal. You hate to see it, bud. I'll. Sorry. Hate to see that. So, the Metropolitans absolutely suck penis holes, and you really hate to see it, folks. I'm going to try not to get too worked up. So, I'm going to maneuver on to a word... From our sponsors. Mets suck. Come on. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Ladies and gentlemen, who is it? State Farm, ding dong, who's at the door? Oh, it's my State Farm agent here to sell me some insurance. That was actually your good neighbor. Oh. Was it my good neighbor? No, it was actually State Farm, but he was like a good neighbor. State Farm happened to be there. Gotta love to see it. The only insurance salesman that I get pleasure out of talking to is the State Farm. Why? Because they're like a good neighbor. You see your neighbor Jim looking over your hedges, freshly trimmed. He says, hey, howdy, neighbor. We're having a gold fashioned cookout. Stackout! A cookout in our backyard later today. You want to swing by? Bring some uh, potato salad? And you say, absolutely, Jim. I'll bring my potato salad. And we'll nosh. Cook up some sausage. Old buns. Some gabagool. Cook up a little bit of gabagool. Come with a gabagool. Hey, you take it easy. You got to take it easy. A little bit of gabagool. And what else is the State Farm... The State Farm guy is definitely coming to the cookout. Oh, is the State Farm guy the, the good neighbor? Or is no. It, is, he's just like him. Jim is the good neighbor. And the, what, the State Farm guy is like Jim. This is where I get a little confused. Because okay. you're telling me that the guy is like a good neighbor. Why can't he also be the good neighbor? It doesn't right. make any sense. I mean, well, the guy's inviting me to the cookout. And he says... Hey, Jim, Jim is inviting you to the cookout. Jim's inviting me to the cookout. Why can't Jim be my State Farm agent? He's a good guy. It's like a good neighbor. Because Jim is a, a good neighbor. Jim, Jim is a computer programmer. Oh. So it's really not in his skill set to sell insurance. Oh. Stick ouch. So Jim 
is a computer programmer and also your neighbor. He's, in fact, a good neighbor. Probably the best neighbor there is. TM, come on in. We're recording the podcast. Oh. You want to say something to our award-winning... Want to say something to our award-winning listeners? I'd love to. All I can say is the Yanks are the better team in the city. Not even a question. Look at their performance last night. What can you say? It was the best game of the year. Preach it. Come on. You really hate to see it, folks. It's a horrible thing. I hate to admit. But State Farm, Rivaderci, signing off. Got a second. Ladies and gentlemen, we're real happy to continue. Moving on to our next segment, which we like to call Buyers, Sellers, or Big Duty Smellers. Folks, we're going to move into the buyers, shall we? Miguel? Let's do it. So, one team that should be buying? Gotta say the Houston Astros. Astros need to buy. The pitching definitely needs something going on, because right now, they're half-assing it. If I'm the Strohs, of course, I'm talking to guys like Noah Syndergaard, who, as of the last few minutes, as Buster only reported, the Mets are now willing to listen to serious offers for Thor. He is no longer on the back burner as a piece of trade bait. You could also look at guys like Zach Wheeler, another Met starter who has shown kind of dookie cake numbers this year, but some people still think that he's got a little bit of potential. I could totally see him as a guy who goes to any other team and immediately becomes a Cy Young pitcher. If I'm the Strohs, I'm also looking at their crosstown rivals, Texas Rangers, for gentlemen like Mike Miner, Lance Lynn, both very, both very attractive pieces of trade bait. Um, those are just a couple names. I think Bauer is going to be off limits. I believe the Indians are going to take him off the uh, off the hook of the fishing line. Um, you can look at the Giants for guys like Mad Bum, but he's kind of met, he may be in the same boat as Bauer with the Indians, where the Giants might be uh, they might not be selling as they were a couple weeks ago. Michael? I, I think that the Astros are definitely going to buy. They need to get at least one, maybe two starting pitchers. Um, I think that the guy that really makes a lot of sense for what they are, what they usually do, what they usually target in terms of pitchers is Zach Wheeler of the Mets. I think that he is the type of guy that you could see coming to Houston. They tweak him a little bit, and all of a sudden he becomes the second half Zach Wheeler that we saw last year. I truly do not believe that the Mets will trade Noah Syndergaard. I, I just cannot see them doing it right now. They would need to get a huge... They don't know how to do that, though. Like that like, Deal in return. That This is the thing about the Mets. The Mets, if they do trade Syndergaard right now, I'm almost 100% certain that they will mess the whole thing up. They will fuck it up. Because everything I've watched in the last... Forever, uh, you know, my entire life, but really just the past couple years points towards them being completely incompetent. They would not get this right. They need to take a step back and evaluate. I don't hate the idea of trading Syndergaard, but you better get it right if you do it. Right. That's what I'm saying. Right. And here's the thing with the Mets. How, how do we know they're incompetent? Well, everything, right? But how about how about, <laughs> how about Travis Darno? I mean, what happened with Travis Darno is an absolute travesty. The Mets Travis decide Darnot. to give him, no pun intended, well, pun intended, 
Mets decide to give him like three and a half million dollars in the offseason coming off Tommy John. Okay. Well, what do the Mets do? They say, all right, you know what, you know what, Travis, uh, come up, play for us for a couple weeks and take a couple hacks. They decided after a couple of weeks that he was no longer. 20 games. He was no longer worth it. Unbelievable that they paid this guy a few million dollars to come off of Tommy John surgery and then decide he's not worth it. That is insane. Well, once they got rid of him, what happens? Well, the Dodgers, who are one of the top two to three run organizations in all of baseball, say, you know, we'll take Travis Darnell. Almost instantly, after like one or two games of playing for them, they are able to flip him for another top five, to another top five run organization in the Tampa Bay Rays, who, by the way, he's now playing like an absolute stud. And, th- and people wonder why I hate the Mets. You fucking, your stupidity cost us a game where this guy is hitting three home runs against us. Sorry to go off on a tangent, but the Mets are fucking idiots. All right? They're fucking idiots. And as a Mets fan, you better be weary of, the, of them trading Syndergaard right now because, yes, it's all adding up for a, a beautiful market for the Mets to do it. But if you think the Mets are getting that trade right, you're out of your mind. And I do agree with you. And I think he's going to stay. I wouldn't even be that surprised if Wheeler stays. I think the key thing to think about is that at the trade deadline, especially in this day and age, teams are very reluctant to give up proven prospects, top guys in the farm systems for loaner players, who they're going to get you know for the rest of the season, who are going to be up for free agency in the at the end of the year. That's really not how baseball has been functioning over the last you know decade or so. You wait to the off season. That's when everybody gets together for the winter meetings. Conversations are being had across the league. You can come up with more creative, uh, more deep, you know, detailed, more intense sort of discussions with other teams. Try to work out better deals for yourself. Sweeten it up a little bit. The trade deadline is not when these sorts of deals for big prospects are going to happen. And like you said, if the Mets do it, they're definitely going to fuck it up. And they're going to they're going to trade Syndergaard for some you know low level unproven prospects who are never going to pan out, and Syndergaard's going to go to another team and become a three time Cy Young winner. I don't I don't totally agree with that take. I mean, just last year you had Chris Archer, who reminds me a lot of Noah Syndergaard, except that that's okay. Well, right. he does because he's a guy that. He, the, the reason he reminds me of him is that they're both pretty overrated, right? I mean, I think Syndergaard's better. Syndergaard's got more talent, so don't yell at me for that. But they both are pretty much guys that have had one or two good seasons and are just pretty overrated in terms of what they do. I mean, Syndergaard's having a bad year this year. I mean, yes, yes, he's been a little better recently, but he's having a bad year. I think he had a bad start tonight. Archer was the same way. And what happened? It was a market starving for starting pitching. You had one team like the Pirates that really wanted this guy, thought he could help them, liked the price, liked the control, and they gave up. What did they give up? Austin Meadows. They gave up Tyler Glass now, and they gave up uh, another guy, eight, seven, Shane Boz. I mean, eight, seven, Tyler seven. Glass now was already is already better right. than Chris Archer. Add in Austin Meadows, who is an all-star this year, plus another prospect who is decently highly regarded. Mm. I, I mean... If the Mets can some the Mets are not gonna figure that out though. That that's the difference. The Mets will not figure that out. I don't want to spend too much time on right. this. Yeah. We we should move on to other teams. Right. But the Mets are, are gonna fall in the category of being a real big duty smeller because they might not make the right moves. 
at the deadline. You hate to see it. Now, the next team I think we need to talk about is the Cleveland Indians, making a lot of headlines right now. They have played their way right back into playoff contention. They are currently leading the wild card. They would host the wild card game if the season ended today. And they are only three games back of the Minnesota Twins, so they have a real chance to win the division. Now, the question for Cleveland, and they are an organization that has done well recently, but the question for them is going to be, you take a look at your team. You have great starters. You have a pretty good bullpen, but your lineup is basically Francisco Lindor, Carlos Santana, and then a bunch of other guys who do not scare you. Now, you probably only have a couple more years of Lindor before he hits free agency and goes to another team. And you want to capitalize on those remaining years for him. Now, you have another guy, Trevor Bauer. He's the guy that everyone's talking about right now. Well, Trevor Bauer is going to be a free agent after next season. So the question for the Indians is going to be not whether you completely buy or completely sell, but would you take a guy like Bauer knowing two things. One, that he's going to be a free agent in two years that you can't keep. Right. And two, that financially next year he is going to be out of your price range and you will probably trade him in the offseason mm -hmm. anyway. Can you somehow move him and get major league players back that will help you this year and not ruin those chances? I think the only way this happens is if a few things go exactly right. As I said, they'd have to get major league talent, specifically in the outfield. I'm thinking guys like Fran Mill Reyes and guys like Clint Frazier. Those are two guys that I think can help them immediately and help them make a playoff push. Yeah. Two, I think that I think that with Bauer, it needs to be the type of move where they're gonna get overwhelmed to move him. And it yeah. needs to be like a move where you you trade him but you feel like we could still do it this year. And that's and that's an interesting <clears throat> take, which I, I think I definitely agree with. I mean, I think Bauer might be overall the best pitcher who may be available. Whose name is getting dropped right now. Right. Yes. Um, and I do think the Indians, even if they lost him and got a couple, you know, couple offensive weapons, maybe even some prospects in the deal, they can still make a push for the playoffs. It's not like losing Bauer is going to throw their chances out the window. I mean, they're... Rotation, they got Clevenger, Beebs, Kluber. Those are three guys who at the top of the rotation can carry a team into the postseason. So you lose a guy like Bauer, but what you would gain potentially in some offensive prowess and potentially some you know, 2020 minor league ready prospects, you're then setting yourself up for a, you know, a organization who for a couple of years can compete. Right, and I think you hit on something that's very important that I was trying to spit out but lost my train of thought for a second. You can only move Bauer right now if you really believe that you're a playoff contender. You can only move him right now if you really have faith that Corey Kluber and Carlos Carrasco are coming back this season at some point. If you don't think that, you can't get rid of Bauer. And it's I think it's as simple as that. Right. And, I mean, the, if you look at the AL Central, they're only two and a half games back behind the Twins. They're in the, sitting pretty in the wild card. I mean, they're, they're a stud team. They're 59-42 and 42 right now. Yeah. So I mean, they're, they're a very good team, uh, and, and it's going to be interesting to see what ends right. up happening. If they don't make the postseason, you're looking at a situation kind of like 
like the NL Central Cards Cubs Pirates situation where they're both you know like ninety eight they're all ninety eight win teams one of them unfortunately gets fucked out of the playoffs sort of thing right that sort of situation yeah which would be unfortunate but hey you know what they say that's baseball Susan that is baseball Susan. And I think that, you know, as we continue to talk about these teams, there's one final team that's making a lot of headlines right now that needs to be discussed because they were pretty much the inspiration for this segment. And that is the San Francisco Giants. <clears throat> Three weeks ago, this team was the third worst team in the NL. They Shout stunk to the Mets. on ice. They were awful. Lacking talent, lacking a farm system, but holding a lot of interesting pieces that a lot of contenders might have wanted, might still want. You have guys like Will Smith, Tony Watson, and Sam Dyson rounding out a bullpen and providing pieces that can be traded to contenders who need these bullpen arms for some guys to provide depth in their farm system. And of course, the number one asset that they have probably is Madison Bumgarner. Now, Bumgarner, a few weeks ago, three weeks ago, not really pitching too well. I mean, a lot of the analytics were down on this guy. They still are. But since then, he has tossed in about six consecutive really good starts. And I think with him, teams will probably look a little bit past the analytics and think, can we get vintage Bumgarner in the playoffs? And you have to factor that in a little bit. I do think the Giants are probably valuing him higher than every other team in the league would value him. But yeah, but I think I think he's really starting to he's starting to turn it around this this season. If you look at his last six starts, he's throwing up a two ERA. Right. The market is starving for a guy like this. I think they could get a nice return for him. The question for them is when you take a step back, and yes, you've gone I think like sixteen and four over your last right. twenty. Ridiculous. You play yourself back to within three games of the division. But when you take a look at that, and you take a step back, and you say, oh, this is our roster right now, do you really think that you're making noise? And into the future, if you don't capitalize on this opportunity, what do you really have next year to trade people? Right. So I think that if I'm them, I'm trading. I'm, I'm trading the relievers. I'm trading Bumgarner. And I think it is a giant mistake smells like a big old pile of duke if they do not decide to sell and really think that they can go for this. If they think they have a real chance, I'm locking them in as a big duty smeller in this situation. Huge they, duty smeller. On paper, do not have a team that can contend. They just don't. They don't have it. It's, it's unbelievable that they went 16-4 and four over a 20-game span. It really is. Small little miracle run, and... You would really hate to see that warp their perspective on their team and what their true value is, yeah. which really is kind of dookie. And I think that in the offseason, they made a big hire. They went and got the former Dodgers GM, Farhan Zaidi, a.k.a. the Zidi Man. The Zidi Boy! Al dente, and, please. And you don't make a hire like that unless you really want him to run with the organization in a big-picture type way in which they were not doing before with moves like acquiring Evan Longoria and Jeff Samarja and Johnny Cueto. Those are the types of moves yep. that pigeonhole this team, and if they don't take steps now to do it, they're going to be suffering for a long time to come. 
Going to be a very interesting next seven days. Nothing's really picked up yet. Very excited to see what happens. Plenty of stuff's going to happen. Yankees need to go get it done. The the Yanks got to look for for some starters, and there are plenty on the market. We we mentioned you know. A bunch are there of though? I don't know if there's plenty on the market. That's where I, I'm not sure. We don't know. Well, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what it's happens. One other one I do want to mention is the D-backs. Diamondbacks. I think the D-backs should be looking to ship Granky somewhere. What about Robbie Ray? I think he's more likely Robbie, to get moved. I think more likely to get moved, but Granky, I think I would obviously get much higher reward in a trade. I'm not so sure, actually. Really? Because, because on, on paper, Granky is much better starter. However, Granky is owed over $90 million over the next three years. Sure. That's going to limit your prospect. Teams are reluctant to, to eat all that, right? He's also got a 15-team no-trade list. Is it really? I believe so. Jesus. So half the league can't trade for him without his approval. Anytime I see his name come up, nobody even talks about the Yankees because nobody seems to think that he could pitch in that market. Um, that's just been a thing since he was on Kansas City. I think Ray is the guy to watch on this team. I think Ray is an intriguing arm to teams like Houston and New York. Um, I think because when this guy is locating, he could be an elite starting pitcher. Right. Like, oh, yeah. But he doesn't always locate. He can get out of hand. Gotta be and able to, to locate. me, he's not... Like, yeah, if you could tweak him, sure, he could be great. But that's a that's a risk if you're going to be giving up a top prospect for him. Right, right. Agreed, agreed. But I mean, the bottom line, I don't think the D-backs have what it take. They don't have the pieces to be a legitimate World Series contender this year. No. And they're never going to top the Dodgers. No. In the division, so. Definitely not. Going to be interesting to watch them. I think it's going to be interesting to watch all of these teams. Nobody seems to really have a sense of what's about to happen. It's been surprisingly quiet. Very quiet. There have been no splashes yet. I would assume that at this point in July, we would have seen at least one blockbuster trade. I mean, so just to give you some context on the last two years. Blockbuster. And I can only say this about the teams that I about the team that I root for. Two years ago in 2017, the New York Yankees on July 18th, so that's six, almost a full week ago, uh, two years ago made a blockbuster trade to acquire Todd Frazier, David Robertson, and Tommy Camley. So that happened a week ago, and that was with a post-waiver trading period as right. well. That doesn't exist anymore. Right. Last year, Yankees on, I believe a year ago to the day, acquired Zach Britton. So two big trades were made you know, in the last two years by this franchise. Nobody's really made a big trade yet. Unless you want to count Encarnacion, but that doesn't no. feel like a deadline move. No. And it's just weird, because you would have thought that this whole process was going to get sped up by the fact that you don't have this post-waiver trading period anymore. Yep. But the problem is, second wild card, these teams feel like they have a chance, even though they don't. And it's going to be very interesting to see who pivots first, who blinks first. What types of returns are guys like Stroman going to get? Right. I have a theory on Stroman, and then we can close this thing out. But what? I have a theory on Stroman What's as your theory, to why Michael? I think the market's being held up for this guy. Marcus Stroman is having a great year. He really is. But I don't think teams are sold that Marcus Stroman is the guy that you really want on the mound in, in a huge game. He's not an ace. I'm not. Nobody's calling him an ace. No. 
he can pitch in big moments. That's so that's that's not exactly what I meant. But I think the thing is, you have these highly analytical teams like Houston, like the Yankees, like the Dodgers, and typically what you see them go after is hard throwing guys who rack up the strikeouts, and that is not what Marcus Stroman is. So I think what could be happening here is yes, he is like a lock to get moved. However, are teams like the Yankees and the Astros waiting to see if teams like the Indians and Mets pivot with these guys who more fit the bill? Because Strom is not their top target. Right. Uh, that's clear. That's clear. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you'd think a deal's made already. Right. He's the most obvious to get moved, but obviously the Yanks are not, you know, bending over backwards to try to get this right. guy. Right. Exactly. And, and that's what I think is happening. It's going to be very, very interesting these next seven days. Cannot wait to see it unfold. Folks, we're on the edge of our seats. You absolutely love to see it. You absolutely have to suck it, if we're being completely honest. And folks, it's been a goddamn pleasure. We will catch you. Michael, when are you back? Michael's going to Europe now. The boys are uh, he's, he's following suit. We'll be back soon. We'll be back soon. We'll probably give you a little two-week period. And then we'll be right back on the Subway Series. Uncle Train, the big dog, sipping cups of joe in the morning, sitting in chairs, farting, talking about baseball. You absolutely have to suck it. Arrivederci, baby.